0: Welcome to the Let's See Grandma the Let's Career Let's See Grandma Warrior, Warrior, Podcast. Warrior, Warrior Podcast. And welcome to the Let's See Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, we're going to talk about failure. Yes, the other F word that many of us are so afraid of. Why do you want to listen to this episode? Well, failure is such an important topic, especially for job seekers, especially for those of us who want to move on and progress in our lives. It's something that all of us have to deal with if we want the job of our dreams. We're going to hear about why that's so important during the beginning of this episode. But first, let me tell you about why I brought on Dr. Benjamin Ritter, founder of Live For Yourself Consulting. Dr. Benjamin Ritter is a Chicago and Austin-based leadership empowerment coach. Regional learning manager for YPO, national speaker, podcaster, author, consultant, mentor, and he is also passionate about guiding others in finding, creating, and sustaining a career that they love. So, as you can see, Benjamin is going to be just amazing. And this episode is really going to help you out if you're struggling to get through a tough job search. So, let's launch right into it with our 179th episode of the Career Warrior Podcast.
1: All right, Dr. Benjamin, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. And I think I've failed at every single one of the different titles I have at some point <laughs> in my career. That's a good opener because it is,
0: I <laughs> just want to set the stage that it's okay to fail. I was like going to say, that's a lot of things. So you've been a speaker, podcaster, author, consultant, and all of these things. How does
1: that come into play? I have a very like, much of a yes mentality to things. And I also strive for novelty and I like to give. And so I know that my values are developing others professionally and personally. And so they all pretty much relate to that. Like the books relate to that, the mentorship relates to that, the consulting relates to that. It seems like a natural progression from coaching to all of those other branches. That's fantastic.
0: And I love the content you have on your YouTube channel. I think a lot of it is. It's very geared for people looking to improve and, you know, leadership development, things like that. So one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast is to address something that anyone who's going through changes and looking to improve themselves, whether they be a leader or just another job seeker, is the idea of dealing with failure. Let's set the stage here for what we're going to be talking about today, which is that failure, rejection, those kinds of things. Many of us can't really stand the idea of going through it, but it's something we all have to do. What
1: is the big deal? But you mean we all have to experience failure at some point? That's is that a given? We don't just coast through life finding success at every corner. Is there a portal I can
0: jump through where I don't have to deal with failure, or (laughs) or
1: what? (laughs) Well, I think if we talk about failure, we also have to talk about success. Mm -hmm. Because what is failure? Well, what is the opposite of failure? And so often people will just say, "Well, it's success," and I'll say, okay, so then what does success mean to you? And so, Chris, what does success mean?
0: Okay, so it's subjective for me. I think success is, did I realize the goals that I set out to accomplish? I think, or whatever expectations I gave myself in the beginning, it's like, did I
1: actually end up achieving those goals? So success is achievement in that definition. I've I've achieved something that I've set out to do. So then the opposite of that would be not achieving those goals. So then that would be, Failure. So in, in that sense, it sounds like failure is just disappointment. It's a sense of disappointment because I didn't achieve something I was like, I set myself out to achieve, right. to do, to accomplish. That doesn't mean you can't accomplish those things. It means that at that point in time you haven't accomplished those things. So it's it's just this like feeling of disappointment. So I like to say like, okay, so if you fear failure, you're actually just fearing disappointment, which seems a little bit less intense. I also hear people define success as just progress. Success is just I've learned something. I'm one step closer towards maybe what I wanted to achieve, or maybe right. I've, I've learned something about myself and what I might want to achieve. In that sense, failure has the same definition as success. So then failure and success are the same. And so it's interesting, once we start looking at different definitions of success, how they then reframe how we perceive failure, what failure could mean for us. Because so often people see failure as just this overwhelming Scary thing right. that prevents them from doing anything, from making any progress. It means that they're never going to achieve success in their life. And that's right. just not true once we put the magnifying glass on it.
0: And the more I think about it, the more I realize that a lot of, at least what I used to think about failure, is how people would perceive that failure. So let's say, for instance, I, you know, wanted to go to such and such school to become a lawyer or a doctor or something like that. It just ended up not working out for whatever reason. So what would people think about me? Like, would I seem like a failure to other people? But it's, it's interesting about the way you brought it up because you make it more about yourself and like how your type of emotions.
1: Right. Well, even if you're looking at this idea of I set out to be a doctor or a lawyer or for me, I set out to be a professional soccer player. Think about a goal that has a high level of potential failure. Right. I defined myself by that goal. Like everything that I did every day was related to achieving this specific goal, and I failed miserably multiple times to the point of being across the ocean in another country and just figuring out that I failed to my 21st birthday, you know, having recently had hip surgery realizing that I failed. Like there were moments that were pretty momentous in my mind, but Honestly, becoming a professional soccer player, the reason why it hurts so much in terms of failure is because I defined myself by that specific achievement instead of knowing who I truly was at my core, understanding what I valued about that specific goal, and realizing that I could keep living aspects of that goal throughout my life, no matter if I became a soccer player or not. Part of it also, like why I kept even trying to be that, why I kept trying to define myself by it was this oh, everyone knows that this is who I am, everyone thinks this is what I'm going to do. And it's so interesting how our sense of like the need for belonging or the need to prove ourselves to other people or our ego can actually accentuate this fear that we have for failure. So it's not even the fear of failure. It's actually just the fear of who we are, who other people think we are, and if other people are going to potentially accept us.
0: Right. Absolutely. And so let's, I guess, let's, let's put this in the context of, of job seekers. Like typically from what you've seen, what are a lot of job seekers feeling in terms of like their careers and, you know, being able to accomplish certain objectives within their careers or not?
1: I work mainly with clients that feel stuck and unfulfilled at work. So the fears tend to relate to I'm never going to amount to who I want to be or should be because I don't really know who that person is. Or I'm never going to figure out this ideal version of myself. Or I'm just wasting my time. Yeah, and, you know. Look at it in another way. A lot of times people are in that position because they fear asking for what they want. Or they fear asking themselves the questions about what they might. Or they fear networking with other people to actually learn the information they need to, to answer those questions. So a lot of times people in professional positions that feel stuck or unfulfilled where they feel like they might not even be able to apply for jobs right now or find jobs because of this yeah. current marketplace are really acting from a source of fear.
0: It's tough now. I see more people. I just you know whether it's like forums online or people who come in just with inquiries, just talking about how the pandemic is really causing them specific trouble. And so we're seeing more negativity, more of that, we'll say fear of failure, just because of what's going on right now. And so, whereas, you know, maybe before it was more of a, we'll say, a job seekers market, whereas now it seems to be a lot of the power seems to be in the hands of these companies because just there are a lot of people out looking for jobs right now. But yeah, no, that is a good point.
1: Well, anything that like, any definition you give to an idea such as, oh, it's a employer's market because there's higher unemployment. Okay, that makes sense. But you are in a position because your employer values you. You are doing a certain level of work for your employer that they need to get done. So you can look at it and just say, yes, there's a high level of unemployment. But right now, organizations are under a lot of pressure to perform. Right. And you are the person that's performing for them. So you have clout, no matter what the market is like. And if you're unemployed looking for a position and worried that there's so much competition and I'm never going to get a job, every business that is losing money, like, there are businesses that are making money. There's so much opportunity. Yes. I see on a daily basis people getting hired, getting offered salaries they've never been offered before. Like just it's the market, and you know its definition changes based on your perception of it. It's are you looking for opportunity or are you living you know, with a focus on the lack of opportunity that that might be there?
0: Awesome. Well, Ben, that's a perfect segue into what we're going to be talking about, which is some action we can take if we are dealing with failure or fear of failure, those types of things. No, this is going to be great. So let's just talk about it. Let's dive into it. Where do I even start when I am someone who has been dealing with failure?
1: So you just run and hide. Maybe turn on some TV for a little bit.
0: (laughs) Is it okay to run and hide for a second? Because I feel like
1: like crap. I think it's really important that you understand what you're feeling and also how you're defining what you're feeling. So, okay, Mm. I'm afraid right now. But you can actually say, "I'm afraid right now." So usually, what people do though is they stop at that initial label of fear. But words are just so lacking when it comes to understanding what we're actually feeling at any given time. Yeah, because feelings are just physiological responses. Just, you we just give them labels. So ask yourself, "What am I feeling right now? What am I actually afraid of? What is my body going through?" Okay, I have a, like a pit in my stomach. I'm feeling like my throat feels a little closed up. I I'm not really hungry right now. I'm a little anxious. My thoughts are racing about things that. That could go wrong okay so you're focusing on things that could go wrong maybe stop for a second take a couple deep breaths let's relax that tension that you feel within you so it's bringing a greater level of awareness to what you're actually feeling instead of just giving like a label to it and then acting and that level of awareness allows us to gain greater control of our emotional response builds in a greater pause between feeling and action which then allows you then to take action and start reprogramming these fears that are in your mind
0: So I stop myself or maybe not stop myself, but I, you know, kind of take a pause at a moment and say, I'm feeling fear of not being able to move forward, like and get a job in the next week or so, or I fear not having an income in a month, that type of thing and get really, get real with myself essentially
1: before moving on. Get really real with yourself. Exactly. Because so often what I see is that someone feels a fear and then acts accordingly based on that fear. And usually that means they don't act. Usually it means sure. they just try to hide away from the emotions. Yeah. So if we call them out and understand them, then we actually become less fearful of our fear, which is the first step to gaining awareness and then taking action. So you stop and you say, okay, I lost my job. What am I feeling right now? I feel like I'm not good enough. Even if I didn't want this job, I feel like I'm not good enough. I feel like I did something wrong. I feel like I could have prevented this. I feel like I'm not going to be able to get another job in the market. I feel right. like I'm not going to be able to pay for my rent. And so then you start looking at these fears and you start saying, which ones of these are top priority? Like I'd say, can you pay for rent? Can you buy, put food on the table? And so then you start working on those fears and say, okay, so you know, where's the money coming in right now? How much money do I need to survive? Where can I cut back on expenses? And so you're moving away from this like fight or flight response, which is what fear really is. And becoming more action-oriented, solution-oriented, and when we take our fears and then move them towards like some sort of proactiveness, yeah, and then also see that there are solutions for those fears, we actually stop feeling fearful and we actually start feeling excited because we're doing something. We're actually leading ourselves towards a goal with greater clarity.
0: I think about the times when I actually have felt fearful for whatever you know something I want to accomplish, and there's There's like all these stakes at hand. Like, I don't know if I can accomplish it. And if I don't, things are going to suck. So that's like, it's really painful. And like, the more I think about it, it's true. Like, if I just let the emotion take control of me, you know, kind of during that situation, I tend to be less action oriented. I do tend to hide away in that sense and make less moves, so to speak, on things that I want to do. So your case in point is that if I am more aware of these things, then I'm more likely to become action oriented proactive and do the things that i need to do to get the job or whatever it is
1: the awareness is really important if there's underlying belief systems so i say if these are tough so like the underlying belief systems are you can learn from mistakes the underlying belief systems are failure is temporary it's not a defining moment and so when you have these two underlying beliefs i'd say even a third one is failure is progress it's all part of the journey then you're able to stop and say, okay, this isn't as big of an event as I thought it was. Yeah. And you can even look back in your past and say, five years ago, I mean, I even like to use like relationships as an example. My three past (laughs) long-term relationships, complete failures, right? But they led me to the relationship that I'm in now. So you say, and when I was going through those breakups could, you know, I bet people have thought I'm never going to find someone better than this person ever again. (laughs) And this, the same thing with, These momentous events that happen in our life that seem like failures, they are going to define us truly don't. And we can find examples of that in our life. And if we have those three underlying beliefs, we then are more able to stop and say, what can I learn from this? How am I feeling from this? And how can I make the next steps better because of this past event?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. (laughs) Lots to take in there, especially if I'm going through it. So what do I do next once I do have that sense of clarity, I guess I should say, in my life and I do feel like I am going through it?
1: So you understand now the emotions that you're feeling. You are reframing them. It's a really important practice. We kind of hinted at it, but like for example, yes. let's say you're thinking, I can't get a job because of COVID. A reframe of that would be, this is the perfect time to find a job because everyone is virtual. So there's more opportunities to work anywhere. And now you also have time to gain clarity on what you truly care about. If you think about that, you know, some, some people may pause and say, what do you mean I have time? If you were fired from a job, if you were laid off, you are probably receiving unemployment benefits. And I've been on unemployment before. That's a cushion that you can use to actually give yourself a second to say, what do I want? And now can I take action to go network and work towards my dream organizations, the places that I really want to work? Every time you move from a job to another job, it should be an improvement. You should know the culture you want to work for. You should know your values. You should learn more about the work that you care about doing. You should learn more about the next step you want for your career because it is a career. It is not a job. There are going to be multiple jobs along the way. So I'd even say when you lose a job, if anything, that has actually fast-forwarded your career to the next best spot, which is such, I think, a powerful way to look at you know, the next job that you're going to get or unemployment. It's just, if you can reframe this thought of, I can't get a job because of COVID to this perfect time to find a job and one that's best suited for me or more suited for me, then we can start breaking that down into actual goals and mm. steps. Because when you don't have a job, it's easy to get lost in the days because we don't really have structure. But then we take that reframe, we put it on a post-it note, put it on our computer, and then really make a structure for unemployment. Like, unemployment is a job. There's maybe an hour of diving into who you are, what you care about, what you want to do next, maybe you know hiring someone that is really good at writing resumes, like someone that's interviewing me right now, <laughs> uh, uh, but really preparing yourself for the next step and you can become proactive about it. We can get to what goal setting would look like in this stage, but I know we're still talking about fear.
0: Well, I want to ask you, because reframing is, it's one of those things that I think, I agree it's so important, but very tough to do sometimes because I can tell myself, you know what, I'm going to look at these things in the positive and I'm going to tell myself that, like, I'm going to try to remove those negative belief systems. But the problem is that they're so deeply ingrained sometimes. And I don't know who's listening to this episode right now. I don't know what, you know, how long or how deep these things are. But I guess what I'm asking is, do you have any actionable things that I can do in order to accomplish this tough thing of reframing?
1: Reframing, the whole purpose of it is to change past programs because who we are today is based on who we were yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. What you are today is a culmination of your experiences and those experiences have built programs in our mind. I like to think of it as everything we do, especially our thoughts, have created almost like rivers within our brain. And rivers, what I mean by that is yeah, water likes to flow in the, the easiest path that it can find. And so our programs are basically these dugout channels within our brain. So when we, or maybe you're going to go into a networking event or apply for a job, our initial response, maybe in our mind from an old program is, you're not good enough, or don't do that. What happens if you get rejected? So your brain thinks, oh, I have to stay safe. That's where we go initially. A lot of us go initially. What we have to do to build habits is start digging out new trenches for new rivers and stop using the old river as much as possible. But that's really tough. Just like with any habit, we actually have to hold ourselves accountable and tell ourselves to do it instead of just think we automatically can do it. Because eventually, if you tell yourself to do something enough, the river is dug deep enough, usually deeper than old programs because you find out that they're more, like they lead you towards greater success, but you start accepting that path more and more and more. But to be able to do it, you have to write it down. Put it as an alarm in your phone. You have to get an accountability buddy. Maybe let's say you're looking for a job to call them through Zoom for an hour a day. And this is your networking time. So you hold yourselves accountable and you compete about how many jobs you're going to apply to or you compete to how many people you're going to send an outreach message to. And so it really is forcing yourself to do these things, just like you would have to force yourself to go to a gym. And so just like working out, if you buy a gym membership, that might work right? If you spend a lot of money in a gym membership, like a specialty gym, probably will work better, which is why coaching is, you know, partially it's accountability, it's investment.
0: (laughs) Get off your butt and go, you have to do it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And if the gym is closer to you, you're more likely to go. If your gym's in your house, you're more likely to go. So then when it comes to doing things that you're not used to, like networking, you know, do you have LinkedIn always up on your screen as your homepage? Do you have a list of people in front of you all day? So you, it's constantly reminding yourself of it. And if you have someone you work out with, if you go to the gym with, that they call you up and bring you with, do you have someone that's more experienced, that's willing to guide you and coach you? So these are all things that we do in our life. Like you have, like, I bet you, our listeners have held themselves to new habits. They've committed themselves to new habits. This is the same thing. When it comes to reframing ideas, you have to say, I'm just going to commit to this completely. I'm going to make a commitment in my mind. Not this is something I want to do, This something I have to do. And then I'm going to structure my life in a way that makes that actually happen and makes it easier for me so I don't have to fight to do it.
0: And then leading back to it, that accountability has just got to be so powerful. Like you referenced the coach in the workout situation, but who would be the coach in my case if I'm a job seeker trying to keep going?
1: So there's career coaches just right off the bat. They're like myself and the work that I do. Yeah, I'd even say there are mentors, a ton of Mm -hmm. mentors out there. And I would even recommend first look in your current network if you don't have a mentor, but then also look on LinkedIn for someone that's in a position that maybe you want to be in in five or 10 years and start reaching out to them and say, hey, I have some questions about the job search or about the career path. And you will be surprised at the people that are willing to get to basically bring you under their wings and help you soar. It's people want to give and the people that respond to you are going to be the people that want to give. So don't worry yes. about all the people that don't respond. You're looking for the engaged individuals. And I talk a lot this, about this a lot with networking. People are on platforms, not because they want to engage. They're on platforms for a variety of reasons. But there is a small percentage of people, like on LinkedIn, for example, that they love to connect others. They love to mentor others. They will, and they love to have phone calls and introductory calls and to meet you. And these are the people we're looking for. We don't care about anybody else. We want to meet the connectors and the people that want to engage with us. And that's why networking, you can't take a non-response as a rejection or as failure because the person that's there isn't there to network. And the people that are there to network are going to respond to you. Someone needed to hear that. (laughs) I hope so. Someone on
0: this podcast. That's awesome. That's awesome. Great way to think about that. And you just alluded to it. And I think this has been great so far. Like We've covered some awesome things like the self-awareness, the accountability, and getting yourself out of the rut by taking action and doing action steps. I want to talk about the ugly stepsister or cousin of failure, which is rejection, which is the R word you just said right now. So let's talk about rejection. What if I do fear sending out applications or reaching out to people and not getting, like getting that Autobot response that basically tells me that I'm not a good fit for the job? Like, do you think that's something that's actually holding people back in their job searches?
1: Oh, for sure, one hundred percent. It's holding people back. I post a networking workshop and in one point I have people pull out their phones, do a keyword search on the industry that they're interested in, or the job title that they're interested in talking to, like someone in that job title, and I tell them, Do that search, have the page there with, with your you know, second or third connections, people that you're not connected to yet, and just hit connect on twenty or thirty of them right away. People look at me like I'm crazy. Like, what do you mean? You just reach out to people you don't know without a message and What if they don't respond? And then literally the next day, they'll message me and be like, five people accepted me. (laughs) And they're like, (laughs) so excited about it. And I already have two phone calls scheduled. You hit the nail on the head and you said, this bot rejects me. Like literally, we personalize this idea of rejection. If someone doesn't respond to me or doesn't like me for a certain job, then I must not be good enough. Mm. Where did this idea come from? Like it doesn't make any sense. These people don't know you. Even if you are like a fine, even if you get fired from a job that you've been working at for two or three, four years, that could hurt a little bit more. But it's still this person doesn't know you completely. And also, they have their own goals. They have their own reasons for their own actions. And you have to ask yourself: Is you know why am I personalizing this? And what evidence do I have to personalize this re- quote-unquote rejection? No one can reject you other than yourself. So every time you don't apply for something or don't reach out to somebody, you are making the choice to say no to you. When someone yes. says no to you, that doesn't mean that they're saying no to you. They're saying no at that point in their life based on their own perspective and perceptions of the world, whatever it is that they're looking yes. for. It's not you as an individual. And I think that's just, it's, it is a mindset. A lot of things we're talking about is a mindset. Yeah. I think that's so important to dive into first is what am I so afraid
0: of? Let's hit there in a second, but I just want to go back to something you said, which is like, it's absolutely true. Like I speaking here from a actual experience and like things that I felt when I am dealing with rejection and things like that. But I do feel like when I go and reach out and apply for a job or go to reach out to talk to that person at a networking event and you know, the fear of it not going so well, a lot of it is centered around myself. I'm like, oh, it must be me if that person is not giving me the favorable response that I wanted in the first place and you know for me I've realized that's such an unhealthy habit and like such an unhealthy thing to do is just to keep thinking like me 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 the entire time and not put the emphasis and the focus on the other person and what they might be going through as well and so I mean I really think that was truly genius and a really good way to reframe that perspective is to like not just put the attention on you but it's about that other person.
1: And what's the goal? Is the goal of rejection? Because that's what you're focused on if you're right. right. If you don't have that reframe. The goal is to find an opportunity, to find a new job, to find a person to connect with. And so it doesn't matter. Like the no's don't matter. The no's only mean that you're getting closer to a yes. And it, you know, people use this in sales a lot. It's they know that if they get X amount of no's, that then they're going to eventually get a yes. And you can figure this out with anything in your life. How many no's am I getting? To how many yeses? Like with job applications, it's like a lot of people that are entering the market initially, they think, okay, if I apply for three jobs, I might get two interviews. Doesn't work like that. <laughs> you apply for 20 jobs, you might get three or four phone screenings, And then you might get 50% of those, maybe one or two might lead to the next round. Like the no's don't matter. Other than the fact that you know, if you keep getting no's, they're eventually going to lead to a yes. And if they are not leading to a yes, let's say, let's look at your tools. Let's look at how you're presenting yourself, because for some reason, it's not completely aligning with what other people are looking for at this point in time. That's something I want to mention too, in terms of accountability and mentors. It's really important to find people that can normalize your fears for you. For example, a lot of the clients that I have right now, they have their slew of failures where They've been fired from work, from jobs. They you know, went to school to get a certification, but ended up not working in that field at all. And so they're, now they're doubting themselves. Like, right. There are so many moments in their life that, where they have this sense of fear, rejection, and mistakes. But then I have them go talk to someone that has done something like they've done or experienced it, and maybe they're a few years ahead. And now they can normalize this area of their life and realize it's not a big deal. It's not going to drastically change your life. So see if you can find people that are going through what you're doing, what you've gone through or have gone through what you're going through and just have a conversation with them. It will really help.
0: I love that. Thanks so much for bringing that to light. So I want to just circle back to failure to kind of round this out a little bit. I do have a few specific questions on just this topic in general, but let's just say, and I speak from someone's perspective here, but Dr. Benjamin, I have literally failed a million times. I've just been going through it so much. I don't even know where to start. And I even have a hard time listening to this type of advice. What are you going to tell me to do? And really, how do I pull myself out of this rut?
1: Two things I'd love for you to do. I'm almost tempted not to say one of them, but I'm going to say it anyway. (laughs) Say it is to actually start exploring your failures, to list them all out, to figure out how you failed in those moments, but then also what those moments have given to you as gifts and how you've learned from them. So it's really start exploring these failures for what they've actually caused in your life and then also what they've caused in a positive way. Mm. I'd even suggest to share that list with someone that you respect. It's so interesting. The more that we talk about our failures, I think a really good example is you're really angry about something the day before and you wake up and you try to explain it to someone and it doesn't seem like you should be angry about it because (laughs) It's, it's like that's we, the headspace I was in at the time. And so we detach our emotion from it. So a lot of times when we gain more awareness of something, we end up detaching ourselves from the emotion. And when we share it with someone, we also can do the same. We disassociate with it. I'd say that's, that would be one activity. The second activity would be to actually start exploring all of your successes and all of your milestone moments in your life from where you've evolved and where you've changed. And to create kind of a, a win log in a way. I think you may be surprised. Because that question really highlights the fact of where your focus is right now. And then I'd also write out a list of, I added an extra one, extra assignment, (laughs) write out a list of your goals and how your failures have led you closer to your goals and how your successes have led you closer to your goals and then what you can do moving forward to keep working towards them.
0: I like that. I'm a huge believer in writing things down. So I think that's really good because, I mean, you really have to make time for it to really you know, figure that out and to get a little bit introspective and to realize kind of those types of things. So that makes a lot of sense for me. It's something that I think people should do, you know, regardless if they're on that extreme end of the spectrum, like the perspective of the person who I just asked that question from, but that's really good. I like that. So what if I have a family member going through this? Let's say it's not just me, um, but what can I do to help support that person?
1: It is Almost impossible to help someone that isn't ready to receive help. So I'd first let go of any sort of responsibility that you have. So don't feel guilty or like, don't feel pressure. But you should, uh, one of the best things you can do for other people, even if they're not ready for help, is to listen. Not to give someone advice, but just to listen. And there is a lot of power in questions, especially when someone is dealing with failure. And if you Took some notes from this episode. We've mentioned a few different questions and a few different strategies you can use to help reframe failure. And so, as you're asking someone what they're going through, you can ask them what they're feeling. You can start asking them questions that relate to opportunity and strategy for moving forwards, as well as asking them questions on what they've learned from these experiences, what they want to do in the future uh, based on where they're at right now, and to kind of help them see the bigger picture. And a lot of the other points that we were making today, it's almost in a way you're coaching them and mm-hmm. coaching is not telling. So just be there as support and be there to help them see the bigger picture. I love that.
0: Well, Dr. Benjamin Ritter, you have been fantastic. And I want to see if you have any final words of advice. And I always ask that question in this manner. I say, if you could tattoo one encouraging message for every struggling warrior, what would that message be?
1: I'd have to say in relationship to failure and rejection the tattoo would be a million no's doesn't take away the joy from a yes. Everything we've been discussing today highlights the fact that failure is a temporary experience. It is not you, it doesn't define you, and it doesn't take away the opportunity from you from achieving what you want.
0: I might get that tattoo tomorrow. I love that. The space you're in when you're taking all the no's can be really really tough but once you get that yes a million no's does not matter a million no's. that's awesome i think i think you've been a wonderful guest i can't thank you enough for the insight in delving into a really tough and deep topic like this i don't think we've gone that deep into something so we'll call it quote-unquote negative but something so deep in a long time here for this podcast and i think you've done a really good job and i think there's so much more to cover so we should find some other way of getting you back on here or linking to some of your articles or things like that. Because I just think there's so much to be said about how this can help people out. So thanks so much. How can people find out more about you and what you're up to?
1: Thank you. And hopefully, hopefully this inspires some action or helps people feel a little bit lighter through their days. If you are motivated to do something after this episode, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. You can find me at Dr. Benjamin Ritter. I respond to everyone totally there for support. And if you want to learn more about Live For Yourself Consulting, just go to liveforyourselfconsulting.com. All the info's there.
0: Awesome. All right. Thank you so much for joining us and see you around. Thanks for having me. All right. For you listeners, this concludes episode 179 of the Career Warrior Podcast. Had so much amazing insight there. And I really do speak from a place of empathy. I'm someone who has dealt with a lot of this stuff. So know that you are not alone in dealing with with this kind of thing and i know for a lot of you job seekers right now especially during this tough time of the pandemic you may be feeling that extra so go back listen to this episode again if you need to take notes a second time and heck i even use that feature sometimes where you can slow down the audio or speed up the audio if you want so go back listen take notes and repetition can always help you to rewire your brain as we kind of alluded to earlier on this podcast I will also make sure to link Dr. Benjamin Ritter's LinkedIn profile and any other helpful resources that can help you in this podcast as well. That concludes it for today, and I'll see you next time.